five and All right, guys, we reacted to the women going back and forth about feminism on Vice. Now we're going to be reacting to men going back and forth about masculinity. Is it going to be as catty? I hope not. Let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, guys. I'm your host, Amla Epinobi, and Taylor's in the producer's bay again. Who this? <laughs> What's going on? Because Taylor moved to Nashville, but he's back for the next couple of days. I did. We got. I had to come back because Scott is out on baby time off, which, God, we love you. God bless you yes. and your baby. But, uh, yeah, we had to survive this month until he's back, so we're yeah. here in the studio. Our very own Hot Scott had a baby daughter, so drop it down in the chat below. Tell him congratulations and uh, wish him luck on his venture as a new father. So Taylor's here for the next couple of days, and today we're going to be reacting to a YouTube video titled Be a Man, Modernist versus Traditionalist Debate Masculinity on Vice Debates. So they brought together nine men to debate masculinity and all the different ins and outs of the subject matter. Like we said, this is a very big subject matter, much like feminism and femininity, as we saw in the last Vice Debates, this is going to be a big topic to sort of uncover and discuss within a 43-minute video. And I believe these shoots are actually four hours to five hours long, so these men sat through a lot of discussion to get to this 43-minute video. I recognize a couple of faces already. If we look at the screen, the white man with the blonde hair, his name is Griffin, and I recognize him from TikTok. And Christian Walker is in this video as well. He's all the way to the right, who I recognize, obviously, from social media and TikTok. So they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. I'm excited to see how these two converse with each other. And hopefully this is less catty and less argumentative when we compare it to the feminist women and anti-feminist women debating back and forth, because that was a rough watch. Now, we rarely talk about masculinity on this podcast, so this is going to be an interesting discussion to get into. Let's watch it. Here we go. I'm so tired of like paying 150 for a first date. And then you just ghost me. I'm, and the next week, I'm like hurting for cash. I'm like, oh gosh. I could have really used that 150. Like, why did I have to? Also, the trade-off of like going on a date and as the man being like, oh, this sucks, I have to pay. Or as the woman being like, oh, this sucks, I might get murdered. Ooh. Is like a pretty big yeah, imbalance. Some... Whoa. Very loud. Sounds like we get into it on this one. Okay. Vice invited male identifying and non-binary folks from across the country to <laughs> discuss their ideas of masculinity. We're already starting off with the new identity characteristics and buzzwords, but let's hear it. My name's Krishna. Thank you all for being here and talking through masculinity, what it means to be a man, etc. Um, obviously, we couldn't fit every man in the country into this room. Uh, we tried to get a diverse perspective, but of course, that caveat, we're not everyone. I wanted to start by telling you why this is something that I'm interested in. I have an eight-year-old son, and I'm seeing him absorb what manliness might mean. I, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, what does it mean to be a man? To start, maybe we could just introduce each other to each other, and if you were to describe what it means to be a man or to be masculine. Uh, my name is Tahoe. I'm a black man from the hood. When I was young, being a man, you had to be tough. You had to be hard. 
And now, to me, being a man is a lot different. Now, to me, being a man is knowing when to be soft, knowing that you don't always have to run the charge. You can actually listen. You know what I mean? So things have changed a lot over the course of the years for me. I'm Griffin, and I don't identify as a man. Um, I'm non-binary. I still have elements of you know, my identity that are masculine elements, that are feminine elements that don't fall within that range. And I, I personally just don't feel tied to like the, the norms or the confines of gender at all. Well, welcome. I would love to hear from Griffin what he thinks masculinity means. And this is a, probably a question that I find I would struggle with. What does masculinity mean to me? Because there's a lot of different things that you can throw out. And I imagine these men are going to throw out when it comes to masculinity. Things like integrity, providing, uplifting, and supporting your family, which are things that women can also do. But what is uniquely masculine when it comes to defining the term masculinity or manhood? When I think about this, I think about traits that are uniquely masculine or that it at least shine more within men. Things like aggression, assertion, being sort of virile in the way that you communicate, in the way that you are present in the world. And that is more common for men. We know that just on a, a biological and hormonal basis with testosterone, men happen to be more aggressive and assertive in nature. So that's how I would define masculinity. But that does not mean that you cannot have men who are masculine show up and harness those characteristics and take control of their assertion and their aggression. So I think that's how I would talk about defining masculinity, although it is a very difficult term to define. I, I, will, I will make that very clear. Is, do you have a way that you would define masculinity? Uh, I mean, generally, it's got to just be the those traits that you would associate with maleness. And mm -hmm. some of that is biological some of that is like you know evolutionary psychology of just how the your your traits and your personality would you know map onto your your biology and how <clears throat> history has kind of shaped what we think of as masculine but but all that is i would say innate and then there's the next layer to it is like sort of what should a man be and mm -hmm. and what are like the values that you would put on top of maleness that you say, OK, we know that men are naturally have a pro proclivity toward aggression because of testosterone or whatever. But like then you get into, OK, what should men do with the increased strength that they have and what should they do with their with the uh, <clears throat> their ability to, you know, just be more uh, things associated or uh, the proclivity toward adventure. What, how do you funnel those into something um, that is productive and good for the world and good for society? And that those are the elements of, of, of masculinity that are beyond biology that are socially informed um, <clears throat> that I think, you know, play into it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you don't have to be a masculine man. I think manhood exists without masculinity, but there is this coupling. You know, we talk about masculinity and femininity and people say, well, I don't identify with those terms. I don't identify with gender roles or those characteristics. But those innate characteristics exist regardless of whether or not you identify with them. So why is it impossible for us to, to define them? Why can't we talk about them and say this exists? but you don't have to be a part of them. And I think we're gonna get into the crooks of that conversation as these men begin to talk. Uh, my name is Dylan, and I think that the notion of masculinity is just some, something that can be possessed by man or woman. Man yeah, you can have masculine women. So I wonder if he's gonna get into that. You can have 
females that are masculine. You can have men that are feminine, but masculinity does exist in its own right, as does femininity. A woman, non-gender conforming person, what it means to be masculine is just like, you know, changing and like very fluid. Um, but I think that, you know, masculinity is something that just, you know, like you embody based off of just like how you show up in this world as a man and just, and just like, you know, how you go about being your day to day. See, I figured this was going to be a problem that that pops up because, you know, when I did the Jubilee video where it was trans women versus conservative women and everybody was asked, how do you define a woman or womanhood? And I talked about, you know, chromosomes, biological markers for being a woman. And then all these other women came up and all these other trans women came up and they said, I think being a woman is being uh, is having integrity. I think being a woman is being sensitive. I think being a woman is being nurturing. Well, then you run into the argument of, well, anybody can be those things. Anybody can take on those characteristics of strength and integrity, of nurturing and compassion. So what does it mean to be a woman specifically? What is specific to women or at least stronger in, in women? And nurturing, compassion, uh, being more people-oriented rather than numbers-oriented or analytical is unique to womanhood and to the the female characteristics. So these are things that we can talk about. Well, when we start saying masculinity is what is whatever you show up as as a man, or it's just simply being a, a person who identifies as a man in the world, that's when definitions it, we we really bring about the question: Why do definitions even exist? If we're not willing to define a word, and if we're saying that all words are fluid and they mean whatever you want them to mean on any given day. Yeah, you get into the same circular logic issue that like Matt Walsh raised with the what is a woman debate. It's like he'd ask what is a woman and it's like, well, it's anybody who identifies as a woman. Well, you can't use the the word in the definition of right. the word and you get into circular logic. So when we talk about masculinity, it's like, well, it's and masculinity is whatever you want it to be. It's anyone who identifies as a man. It's like you're not wow. saying anything. Right. It doesn't work. You can be a man and say, I'm a man, but I'm not masculine. But that requires you defining what masculine means. Right. How you show up. Interesting. Yes. What's up, guys? My name is <laughs> Even Paul. the guy's like, interesting. <laughs> because you didn't just give me a definition. Not to like bag on the guy or anything, but he didn't really give a definition. I'm a fitness entrepreneur. Uh, I'm an immigrant. I came here when I was four years old with my family. It's kind of funny how we're talking about it. My take on masculinity is, is not about talking as much as doing. Okay. I think at its, at its core, a man has to be efficient, competent, and be willing to do what it takes for, for themselves and their, and their loved ones. Women can be efficient and competent and be willing to do what it takes for their loved ones. We're still not getting into the depths of what masculinity means, but we'll see. I was not always a good man. I was not always what you would call a healthy masculine man. And so as my life has changed, I've identified five points that I think make a truly masculine man masculine. <laughs> Casey's ready. He's like, I've got five points. Here's the PowerPoint of what it means to be masculine. I'm, I'm curious to hear what he has to say. Okay. I think point number one is a man who walks with God. Point number two is a man who stands on principle. Point number three, which is a masculine man, is self-sacrificing. So someone who is willing to sacrifice for point four, the people that he leads, a true man is a leader. And number five, a masculine man is never a coward. That's a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the host is like, uh-huh, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that five-point sermon that you've pre-prepared for us. It's like when the kindergartner like, brings up his show and tell, and it's like, this is my sock, and I wear this sock every day, and you're like, uh-huh, well, that was really great, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's like kudos for preparing, but it's also kind of like, 
this you're you're engaging in a conversation of people who aren't from starting from the same place as you. So you gotta like stake your argument and your the things that you're going to be putting forth on shared ground and on on and like make your argument in ways that people can understand and relate to. And so if you come in straight swinging of like, here's my five tenets of masculinity that are based on my religion and my thinking, it's it's kind of like okay, you know that it's not to say your opinion's not valid, but it's also like you know, submit something that people can contend with and relate to on in neutral ground. Right. Also, being a man of principle means that you can be a woman of principle. So really what the question is asking when it comes to what is masculinity is what are the principles of being a man? Being principled is something that anybody can be. So again, we're just not getting into the depths of it yet. Um, and uh, let's get into that as we go yeah. on. I think what it means to be a man is responsibility. Women have responsibility. As a man, it can come with a lot of power. And with great power comes I feel like this will be a recurring issue today. In short words. <laughs> That's it. That's from Spider-Man, I think. Yeah, right? no. <laughs> Uncle Ben. <laughs> um, James. Well, uh, my name is James Killen, uh, former United States Marine, turned Air Force officer. Oh, damn. Uh, got okay. a couple combat tours. Um, but I'm also a father of three girls um, who mellowed me out. The idea of, of masculinity is something that I find interesting because it is changing, uh, and I can actually see those changes in myself. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, why I wanted to do this panel. Thanks for your service. On he didn't give an answer. It's all right. Thank you for your service. Great. Hey, what's up? Uh, <laughs> yeah, men, 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 men. Uh, I think uh, my idea of a real man is, uh, you know, someone that gets the job done you know, and um, provides and all that. I don't even know what that means anymore, but... Um, okay, at least he admits it. Yeah, I don't know. It's changing every day. How do you think it's changing? No, it just seems like everything is changing every day. It's like a new world order. You know, so I don't... Uh, I have a hard time keeping up with stuff, so I feel like tomorrow it's going to be something else and people are going to comment and be like, you're wrong, just, it's this now. <laughs> It is hard to talk about some of this stuff because you feel like you might say the wrong thing. I'm not really masculine myself, so I can't. Okay. I feel like I'm like the wrong person to ask. <laughs> so what are you not? <laughs> Please tell me what you are not. When you say you're not masculine, what does that mean to you? Because then that will get us to a definition of what masculinity means, at least to you. So what are you not when you say that? <laughs> you know, maybe, they're, maybe they're the right person to ask. Christian. What it means to be a man is to be a adult human male. That's sort of a very formal definition, but okay. I think that might be a good place to kick off. Fair enough. There's a lot it's the closest of thing we've got to a real definition of research so these days that says there's a crisis in masculinity. Is there a crisis in masculinity? And if so, like, what is that crisis? The thing that I see is, is a lot of deconstructing generational trauma. The mm -hmm. be a man, boys don't cry, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Um, and I, I think that's actually one of the reasons why we see it as, um, a, as a crisis, because we're actually trying to redefine uh, what, it, what it means to be a man, and none of us have any idea, um, because we're just out here trying to be whoever we are. See, I love what he just said there, because and there's, there's stuff that's right about it. Like, we're all trying to be whoever we are. We are all who we are in our, our, our own unique selves, regardless of what we do. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to redefine masculinity. Now, you can redefine what it means to be a man because men appear in so many different ways. We're looking at this panel right now. I see a man with bleach blonde hair and white mascara and a dress. I see men who present more masculine or in the fitness space. I see men who are less physically fit, let's say. I see men like Christian Walker who present more femininely. So there are so many different ways to be a man in today's society. But many of those ways are anti-masculine. So the question really is, what is masculinity? But I, I love that he said we're all just trying to be who we are and navigate being who we are. But does that mean we need to redefine things? I don't think so. I think we can live within the definitions that have already been set forth for us and say, you know what, I don't adhere to that definition. In many ways, I am a very feminine woman. I do my hair in the morning, I wear makeup, I wear feminine clothing, I present very femininely, but in many ways I'm masculine. I host a podcast every day. I talk a lot for a woman and I maintain somewhat of a position of leadership as, as a woman. And those characteristics are often attributed to males. So in many ways, I adhere to masculine traits and that's okay. But we live within those definitions of femininity and masculinity and we take from those definitions what we see fit for ourselves and for our own persons and our own unique selves. And that's okay. So it doesn't mean that we need to redefine things necessarily to fit the mold that we think we should be in. Yeah, and before you can even talk about redefining something, you have to be able to define it. And I'm not hearing anyone who's actually able to speak in any sort of concrete way about what masculinity is and what femininity is. And I think that's uh, indicative of where we are as a culture right now, where we've so blurred the lines and so gotten so like subjective and everything's just, you know, masculinity is whatever you want it to be. Feminine is whatever you, whatever you want it to be, where we don't even see things on, okay, masculinity is over here. Feminine is over to here. What are the traits that are associated with this side? What are the traits that are associated with this side? So we can actually clearly distinguish and say, okay, this is what feminine is. This is what masculinity is. So before we're talking about redefining masculinity, you can't even acknowledge what's over here or, or right. like describe the things that are on this side and, and feminine we react to the feminism panel as well. It's like the same, same issue. People are going all over the place of like bringing in identity politics and bringing in how they feel and all this stuff. But it's like, no, let's just start at basic reality. Let's just start at the truth. Let's just start at like biology and just reality. And we can't even start from there. So how is this supposed to be a productive conversation? I'm not very optimistic of where this is right. going. You don't have to adhere to the definition, but can we at least get to the heart of what that definition is? That's right. I think that historically, being a man was rooted in patriarchy and misogyny. Mm. And how? now we realize how harmful that has been over the years. Um, and so we don't really know how to define where we're supposed to be. And I think the reason that they're saying there's a crisis is because the box has gotten so small for just being, say, straight, just being a hetero, right? Because if you do anything, women judge you. What do you mean anything? If I dance a certain way, or if I wear my hair a certain way, if I dress a certain way, they go, real men don't do that. Real mm. men don't do that. And so you get scared to move a certain way because you don't want to get judged or outed out of the accepted part of your community. Um, and I think that that kind of has us in an uproar and we don't know where to be. Like, where's the safe place to be for men now? You know what I mean? And it's kind of disturbing. 
there's something valid to what he's saying. Like, if you guys look into ick culture on social media where women say, well, I've got the ick from a man because he did some certain thing. And there's really, like, funny ones. Like, I pictured my boyfriend, like, holding his lunch tray and trying to find a seat in middle school. And, like, that gave me the ick. Or I I pictured my husband, like, dancing around to, like, salsa music. And that gave me the ick because these are things that are seen as weak or traditionally feminine. And when he says women will look at you and say you're not a real man, I will say that there's a lot of women who do judge men on those characteristics and say if you're doing something feminine, you're not a real man. And that's just reality. That's just reality. Women have preferences. Men have preferences. Men will look at women and say, well, that's not a real woman because she's doing this, this, and that. Now, you can say that's not a masculine man, and you might be correct, at least in the instance. Like, if you see a man who's dancing like a woman dances and you go, well, that's not something a masculine man would do. You would be correct in the very moment that you say that. But that doesn't speak to him as a whole and it doesn't speak to whether or not he's a real man. Like it or not, he is born male. He is a man. He is a real man. You can say that's not the type of man that I would want to be with and that would be you espousing your opinion and being true to yourself. So men can obviously let that get to them. And a lot of young male life at least to me, seems to revolve around trying to put yourself in the best light for women in the opposite sex. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, I mean, I think Jerry Seinfeld had a bit once where he said, you know, men can't figure out what women want, but men are simple, they want women. (laughs) Which which is funny. So men will kind of like, you know, adapt, I mean, straight men, I guess you could say, will will kind of adapt themselves to what they think... um, uh, women want. But I think if you ask like men or women, do you think that men and women should be put into these boxes then that of like you should only be able to be allowed to demonstrate and exhibit characteristics that are associated with traditional masculinity or traditional femininity? Most men and women in a modern time would say, no, yeah, you should no. be able to do whatever you want and you can express yourself as a more feminine man or a more masculine woman or just, you know, we can describe your traits, but you're you and you just be you and you should be free to be you and you shouldn't have society or anything imposing all these norms right. on you. But at the same time, you'll notice that the same women who would men or women who would say that about, you know, men shouldn't be, you know, required to adapt to these characteristics or women either the they'll the average straight man wants a more feminine woman and an average straight woman wants a more masculine man and that's so that we see that conflict within ourselves of like well we want everyone to be free and we want to act like these things don't matter and they don't exist they don't have any bearing on people's preferences or just you know our innate nature but the reality is they do and yeah. you know, how are we supposed to start a conversation on this when the whole bent of society right now is trying to push that down and not acknowledge it? Yeah, you'll see women on the internet be like, oh, I don't care if my man cries or I want a man who's more in touch with his emotion. And then they get in a relationship and the man starts crying in front of them regularly and they're like, oh, I actually don't want a man who <laughs> cries in front of me that often. Or I don't care if I make more than my husband and it's okay or my boyfriend or whatever. And then you go on the date and he's not able to pay for it and you go, ooh, I actually don't want a man who's unable to provide for me. So there's idealism, right? There's utopian views of everybody being whatever it is they want to be. And then there's preference in reality of what we actually go for and what we actually want. And sometimes those can conflict with each other. We all want ourselves to be better than we actually are. (laughs) And we all want ourselves to be in positions to be charitable and altruistic when it comes to especially the person that we fall in love with. 
But oftentimes, as women and as men, we want somebody to meet our preferences and what we actually want. And that's okay. You know, I was what you would call a toxic masculine male growing up. And uh, I had good men that sewed into me, you know, they gave me good advice, but I never found manhood and I never understood my place as a man until one day I humbled myself and I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you right now, walking with God changed my life forever. Can, you, define, can you define toxic masculinity? Like, what I would say toxic mean? masculinity is like what he was just saying, where you're using that, that, that leadership role or that aggressive nature in a harmful way to harm other people, to get your way. So the biblical structure for manhood is very humble. It's self-sacrifice, it's not self-motivated, but it is motivated by principle and standing on what's right. So there is a clear-cut vision for manhood in the Bible that I live by and I think our culture used to live by and I think our culture has lost its way. I think everybody sort of has a different definition of toxic masculinity. I don't find masculinity toxic in and of itself, but I do believe in bad men and bad men exist. Um, but does that mean every man is toxically masculine? No. When you're talking about a crisis on masculinity, I think that there's a lack of understanding there. So it's like masculinity being masculine isn't toxic. It's just like there are portions of it that you can dive into that make it toxic. Yeah, this is where we get lost in the argument of toxic masculinity. I'm not a fan of the phrase toxic masculinity because I think it alienates men who don't embody exactly what we're talking about when we talk about toxic masculinity. And when we talk about toxic masculinity, sometimes people who are using that phrase are defining traits that women can uh, be beholden to themselves and that women can show as characteristics in themselves. So it's not necessarily being toxically masculine. It's just being a toxic individual or a dis disrespectful individual or being arrogant, which are traits that anybody can embody, be it male or female. So toxic masculinity, I'm not a fan of as a term. And you'll find that there's no alternative. Like we're not going around and saying that women are being toxically feminine. We're not saying that women are women-splaining to us when they try to talk to us or condescend to us. But we do that to men. And why is that? And people will say because men have held the power historically, so men take on the, the brunt of being called something like toxically masculine or being accused of mansplaining. But if you're going to say that these traits have masculinity and mansplaining in them, you're saying they're unique to men. And they're not unique to men because women can engage in the exact same type of activity. Because I think a lot of what we think of masculinity is tied into patriarchy, right? Which is right. to say, like, for the longest period of human history, like, men dominated women and got the lion's share of stuff. I think a lot of times some people make masculinity into a caricature, like it has to be this alpha bro tough guy. Exactly. And I find the low key guy who, you know, is a really great father and a great husband and maybe not like drinking raw eggs every day <laughs> to be a lot more masculine than the alpha yeah. bro who's going and like that. banging 20 women per weekend and not a responsible man. I find it more masculine to be a good guy. I think the background of this mm. is that we are saying that gender is this like real thing that has real ideas and implications. And Griffin, I'm wondering, as you, someone who identifies as non-binary, how does this conversation strike you? Well, I think that it kind of becomes like irrelevant whether or not we attribute like having like a good ethical compass to being like masculine. Attributing that to like the gender constructs which we have made up, which are like somewhat pointless, like kind of just feed into needless roles that uphold the patriarchy without even knowing it. A lot of those things are just things that people should be doing because they're like morally right. Like if you're in a family, you should probably support your family. And I really don't think that it has to do with like your manhood. You see, 
I would agree with Griffin for the most part on what he just said, is that having a moral compass and being ethically good in the things that you do is not something that is uniquely masculine. And that's where we start to cross wires when it comes to our definitions of these terms. Anybody can be ethically good. Anybody can adhere to some sort of moral compass. So that does not make you uniquely masculine in any way, shape, or form. However, Griffin goes on to say that gender roles are complete constructs and they mean nothing. But I wouldn't say that that's true, because if we blinded ourselves today to all of the gender roles that have traditionally or historically existed, and we allowed boys and girls to just come up in the world as they normally do, we would find that biological differences and tendencies would come to light with both male and female children, young adults, teenagers, adults. They will naturally shine because that's what our hormones do. That's what our biology does. So to say that these gender roles are completely socially constructed is false. And, and we would find that if we just blinded ourselves for a moment and allowed children to be brought up the way that they naturally come about. Uh, so it doesn't negate everything. Like it doesn't cancel out all gender roles and everything we've ever learned about being a man versus being a woman. Uh, although both can be ethically good and both can have integrity and provide for a family and do all of these things. That's where we get lost. These characteristics that we're talking about are baked into an old system of domestic life. I think that's actually where we get toxic masculinity. Like none of us can really describe what it is, but we can see it when it happens. Uh -huh. So we learn it, right? I'm human. We, yeah. This is something we learn from the world. It's something we learn from like TV and shit. And it's maybe something we learn from our dads too. Tell me about your dad. I'm um, a first generation kid. My dad is from Guyana. Um, grew up in very humble beginnings, poor family. First time I remember my dad telling me he loved me was when I was 17. And he was like saying like he was proud of me because um, I was about to graduate high school and things like that, you know. I'm appreciative of all the other things, you know, being present as a provider. But in terms of like, you know, the conversation piece and like, oh, I'm, I want to talk to my dad about, you know, sex or something. Or I want to talk to my dad about, oh, this, um, this person broke up with me and I'm feeling pretty sad about it. I didn't have those conversations. That's so it's like sad. emotional language as part of like how you talk to your dad. Yeah. My definition of manhood came solely from my relationship with God. It didn't come from my father. It didn't come from the good influences around me. Is God a man? Yeah, and God is a man. He and is. God and, and God is a father, and he's mm. a good father. He's a perfect father. And so I think there is a clear definition of manhood where I guess that's where I diverge from everyone else in the room. I believe manhood is clearly defined by God. It is the perfect example of what a man should be. Christian, I see you... I feel like every single point that this guy makes is probably just going to get lost in the sauce because nobody else adheres to the worldview that he adheres to. So it would behoove him to sort of step outside of that, at least momentarily, to define what that means. Because when you tell a room of people who are not Christian, much like myself, that you adhere to God's vision of what it means to be a man, you're not saying much because they don't adhere to that same vision. So it would be helpful to define what that means for you. And it could be that they just cut out what he was saying uh, because this is such a long interview and they need to truncate it down to 43 minutes. But I don't know. I would love to hear more about what that means to him. Not in your head. I grew up in a divorced home. Um, when you do grow up in a broken home and you don't have a father in the home, you recognize how important sort of both males and females are in raising a child and being in the home. Yep. There's a balance between, you know, masculine energy and feminine energy. Absolutely. And I feel like there's, um, there's both within everybody. And so there's a balance that, um, with masculine energy in itself, that I think a lot of people have trouble trying to 
trying to like reconcile within themselves. Like, yes, being a man, you work hard, you take care of your people, but you gotta be able to have that emotional side too, which is where the feminine energy comes in. Y'all, y'all just like triggered something in my head when y'all was speaking about having both in the home. To me, I didn't really have it there. And it made me, it made me feel a way, but I think that I always wanted one. And so I wound up at a certain age going outside and trying to find what man masculinity was mm -hmm. outside. Mm, and so I went on the corner and there were 20 of us on the corner and none of us had dads. We were all messed up. And so we all taught each other the wrong way to love, to be loved. And then I think in society, there's way more people like that. And a lot of kids who don't have fathers in the home, excuse me, oh, no, no, um, look for that father in the world or in a different way. In different yeah. Way. yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's no better way to express that. I mean, that's so very true. We talk about fatherlessness a lot and how that gives way to homelessness, dropping out of school, chronic disease, obesity, domestic violence, rape, just anything that you can name that can happen negatively in your life. Fatherlessness is often a direct factor in that happening to you. And some people escape that. I mean, that, thank goodness that I escaped that in a lot of ways. I didn't have a father in my life from six years of age on. So those by and large, will affect people who grow up without fathers. And of course, you're going to search for somebody to influence you and be a role model outside of it. Uh, that's why a, a lot of young black males get into things like gang violence and gang activity because they grow up without a father at the home or a very unstable family structure. And then they go out and seek out people who are going to give them this sense of community, belonging, and family. And that happens within gangs. The same can be said for anybody who grows up without that fatherly figure in the household. And this is not to place blame on single mothers or say that single mothers are incapable, but you are one person doing a job that is typically done by two while also trying to provide for the family, bring in money to make sure everything stays stabilized. And I mean, thank goodness for my mom for doing that for three children. Can you imagine one person doing that for three children all at once? It's not something that we wish upon ourselves. And it's got to be difficult. And it's got to give way to your children having some shortcomings when it comes to Maybe the way they process emotion, maybe the way that they perform in school, maybe the way that they're socialized with other children. It's nearly impossible to be a superhuman and give a thousand percent of yourself to all the children that you have in every single facet that they need it to be a member of society. So that's why uh, children without a, a father or a mother grow up without a strong sense of that feminine or masculine energy and then go out in the world and that shines in, in the way that they are a member in society, by and large. Not all the time. There are plenty of people raised by single mothers who pan out just fine and have no struggles because of it, but there is something missing there and it's something that most likely will affect their formative years and go on to affect their adulthood. It just happens. Yeah. Um, well, first I think that, like... Uh, Attributing like proper family values to like a heterosexual couple with children is like just not effective. Like I think that it's obviously like a heteronormative take to be like man and woman and then a child and that's how you create like a good family. And whether it's like a single mother, single father or like a queer couple, like I don't think that it's necessary to like attribute men and women to like certain roles in the household. I think that it's 
only due to nurture those gender norms that we follow. Well, you can say that, but then it, it just negates all of the stats that you have coming out. And that's not to say that there should not be single mothers or there should not be queer parents or anything like that. I, I'm by no means against any of those things. And I think if you are a parent who's involved in your kid's life, kudos to you. And that is an amazing thing that you should keep on doing and keep doing at full capacity, whatever that means for you. But also we know the way that the lack of some form of masculine or feminine feminine energy affects children who are in these situations. So children that grow up in a single mother or a single father household seek out role models of that opposite sex when it comes to whatever parent they have and try to find that elsewhere because they do need that energy in their life. So it's really, you can call it heteronormative or you can call it something that is just biologically innate in children. You know, when you are growing in your mother's womb, that is what you're accustomed to. That is the energy, the blood, the nutrients, the heartbeat that you know your entire upbringing up until being birthed into the world. If that is snatched from you, as in you're taken away from your mother, or a father is not present when you're born into the world, guess what you have? A small little hole that you are seeking to fill. And guess what? The good news is there are people who can fill that hole for you in many ways, shapes, and forms. But if you don't have that, guess what you have? A gaping hole that you will fill with whatever you can grab for the most part. So, I mean, to not acknowledge that or to say that that's somewhat heteronormative is just false, and it just negates everything that is innate to us as human beings. Yeah, and when you talk about that hole, it's like if you're missing a father, you have a hole that is masculinity shaped. And if you are missing a mother, you have a hole that is femininity yeah. shaped in large part. And so you're seeking out things to fill that hole that map on. But if but if masculinity and femininity aren't real and there's no distinguishing factors between them, then what do you then you don't have any anything to compliment like we don't have anything real to to fill that hole or compensate for your you're out of balance on this end so you want to balance back out and become functional again mm -hmm. it, if none of this is real then it's all just you know land yap and we can just you know just be and it's all this just stuff that's floating out there but the problem is like like you said before a lot of these gender differences are rooted in biological reality right and some of the Things nurturing and things that children need for their development are associated, some of them, with toxic with masculinity and femininity. And, you know, we talk about toxic masculinity as we know that that exists, right? Everyone agrees that toxic masculinity exists. But if that exists, then doesn't positive masculinity have to exist as well? Right. And so if toxic, if we know what that looks like, then don't we, shouldn't we also know what positive looks like? And so we're, we're suppressing the truth on both sides of the equation here. And, it, and it's just not getting us anywhere whereas if we just acknowledge that like you know a, a healthy child needs a good mother needs a good father some of those motherly traits are we know what those are we know that they're associated with femininity mm -hmm. some of those fatherly traits we know they're associated with masculinity what are those healthy traits and let's make sure that we're we're inculcating those in our children let's make sure that we're hat we're raising kids in a balanced way or like if they're like you said if they're not getting them from a motherly with a motherly figure then they can go find those people that that you know round them out as a, as a young person and and make them a whole person but we know what it takes to make a healthy individual and again like just pushing all this down and acting like it doesn't exist is is not getting us anywhere right like i grew up with a father for most of my young my young life 
where did I find my father? In my grandfather, who luckily was there every single day of my life. So you, we find places to, to fill the spaces that we're in, but let's like remove gender and sex from the equation at all. Let's say that you're a young person growing up with just one parent. What do relationships look like to you? As a baby growing up with an adult who has no other partner in their life, you have no view of what a healthy relationship looks like or even an unhealthy relationship, what that looks like to you. What do you go on to seek out in the relationships that you form with the opposite sex or the same sex if you're a homosexual person? You don't know. You don't know what to look for. You don't know what is healthy. You don't know what is good. You don't know what's going to bring about good results because that was never shown to you in a role model form as a child. So even without taking sex into account and saying you need a mom and dad, a healthy relationship to look up at as a young person is really, really important to see. And to not have that is going to set you at a disadvantage to other kids that do have that. And that should be something we can acknowledge. Male and female matters. God gives you one of those identities, you take on that role. And now you're responsible for not or for fulfilling that role. There's a masculine crisis because men are not taking responsibilities for the God-given roles that they have in society. And so when you take away the, the need to say God made you this or God made you this, now you don't have to take responsibility for not fulfilling what you were called to do. When you do that, you also take away other things that somebody else may do. If I have a woman or a partner that wants to take on certain roles and I say, hey, those are my roles that God gave me in society, now I'm suppressing that person. Like at the end of the day, we're all human beings. Yeah, you define who you are and how you behave under God. That's what God gave us free uh, will. But and also like, peace. I think that the religious beliefs should not be used to like dictate how other people identify or how the people live their lives. Human. I do agree with Griffin on that one. I'll give him that. Need predictability. And when we put each other in these boxes, it gives us the opportunity to make decisions quickly. And I, I think yes. that's what we're fighting uh, is as a civilization at the moment is the desire to put seven and a half billion people in specific boxes so that we can have some sort of predictability or or, or uh, stability in, in our lives. I was absolutely you know every time this man speaks i might get lost in a few things that he says and go oh, maybe i don't agree with that but the heart of what he's saying is very much true we as humans engage in pattern recognition what is an easier pattern than knowing what men look like and knowing what women look like and when you see a man who falls outside of that box you go not a real man not a masculine man i don't want that one I want the one who falls within the box that I have. And that's with anything that we look at in life. Think about how you go about dating and looking for a partner, regardless of who you like, of what gender, blah, blah, blah. You have your boxes that you're looking to tick. And if somebody is a red flag or a deal breaker in that box and in that pattern that you've created for yourself, you go, nope, next, nope, next, nope, next. And we all engage in this every single day. Think about walking down the street and all the people that you cross and think about the ones that you'll cross the other side of the street for because you think that they're a threat or, or something that could pose a threat to you. We create patterns in our mind. It is the way that we work. And the easiest pattern to create is what's male and what's female because it's really easy to see for our eyes once we've come to that conclusion. And it doesn't account for the unique, you know, uh, unique individuals that that come out and they go I don't agree with that at all and I want to be something different we do go okay you're not a part of my pattern therefore you're not in that box let's move on it's much like what happened to me when I said you know what I'm not a leftist I might be half black but I'm not a leftist and people go you're not in the box that I created for you out you're not black anymore 
or you know you're 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 not conforming to what I believe of you. Therefore, you're invalidated in your opinion. We do this all day long. So what he's saying is very much true. And of course we do that with masculinity and femininity, but it is up to us to decipher what is societal and nurture and things that we make up and what happens regardless of what we do. Mm -hmm. If you wipe your hands of every single preconception that you have and every single prejudice that you have, what's going to happen regardless? That's what we need to figure out and that's what we need to decide. Right. And that's the ability to say that patterns, the patterns are real. And it's one, it's one thing to say that everyone should conform to these patterns. And if you don't conform to the pattern that I recognize, then you're something's inherently wrong with you or you don't deserve rights or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that obviously is, is not true because it, like someone else said it earlier in this video, it violates the idea of free will and liberty and individual liberty. And mm -hmm. like, you should be allowed to express yourself. And even like from a Christian perspective, that's, that's borne out in this, the story of the garden Eden. God said, you know, eat from, you can eat anything, but not this tree, but I give you the free will to eat from that tree if you decide to. So that, that's even from a Christian perspective that the idea of free will is there. But uh, that doesn't mean that free will trumps uh, reality and patterns that exist in the world as it is. And so in the, from a Christian perspective, you say, OK, God created them male and female. And so, OK, that's a real thing. And so suppressing that truth or suppressing the truth of gender or, or sex differences or anything like that is not going to get you anywhere any more than suppressing the idea of patterns themselves uh, gets you anywhere. Right. Like you can deny it as much once. as you want to make yourself feel better, but it still exists there. And yeah, two things can be true at once. An emotionally abusive young man in, in my 20s because I had an idea of what my wife should do. And it caused mm. a lot of, of stress. Why were you the way you were? You know, I had a lot of anger. Uh, I had a lot of uh, pent up rage. Uh, I had, you know, some combat stress that I had to deal with also uh, that I wasn't dealing with because men don't show emotion. There is a social construct that benefits men. And so the responsibility that I've learned as I've gotten older is learning how to not enforce my power, learning over women, over people. You, so, you're saying that that role gives men more privilege, like an advantage and privilege. I'm saying that it is more self-sacrificing. I do not have free time. I do not have hobbies. I do not wake up during the day and do what I want to do ever. I'm thinking about my wife, my kids, my business. But that's your decision. So is your wife. <laughs> your wife's waking up and going, I'm thinking about my kids, my husband, my business. It's not something that is uniquely masculine. But I get what he's saying. It's just we're not we're not deciphering what the true difference is between the two. And that's not like like a mandatory thing of your masculinity. Well, it, if you believe that God is true. I don't. And you believe that he's God, <laughs> then you do have that responsibility. I mean, respect to Griffin to being just like, I don't. And this is where I stand on it. And like, come on, let's make a point outside of that. I, right, and that's the problem with coming to a, a conversation with people from different perspectives and then staking your entire argument on something that, on on grounding that no one else shares. Right. It's like, how are you? If, you, if your goal is to be persuasive or make a case in terms they understand or in terms that they can identify with, then then you're you're not gonna ring true to anybody else if your your whole argument is based on just well God said it and that's my perspective. yeah like if I were a Christian person coming to the table during one of these conversations I would try to find maybe the the foundations of my practice and my religion that I can put out without 
ascribing it to to God or without ascribing it. You can do that. That's what the frustrating for me as a Christian. Can. The frustrating thing for me is watching this is like, bro, you like you, you can say it without yeah. saying it. Right, right. <laughs> like you can get to it and convince people maybe without saying what it is you're saying. But like when you say it, it just cuts. It just immediately goes. They immediately go, I don't believe in that. I don't know what you're talking about. And that's not my worldview. Because right, it's the same it's the same logic as someone who says, well, all the experts said we need to wear masks right. in COVID um, because that's, that's what's going to protect us. And you're like, well, what about this study, this study, this study? That's the point. You got to yeah. go show them the studies and show them like with the evidence grounded in something that is shared territory. That's like, okay, we both respect evidence. Right. Therefore, if you show me the evidence, okay. I might change my mind. But if you just appeal to authority and say, hey, uh, the experts agree that this this is what we need to do. What's like? Well, I don't trust those experts, and exactly. that's exactly the same thing as when you're trying to make yeah. an argument for religion, but you're appealing to well, God said so. That's an appeal to authority, and you can't. It's not going to work. Uh, yeah, it's just a, a logical fallacy. And I have a feeling he's just going to keep falling into this pit the entire time we have this discussion. Oh my goodness! And the what funny thing is, is that, sorry, but it's yeah. like, it doesn't necessarily mean he's wrong, but it just means that like you're not you're not making an argument that somebody else yeah. can be persuaded. You're by. playing checkers, not yeah, chess. Exactly. <laughs> like, do you are referring to? Like what privileges do male do men have? We've constructed this entire society to benefit us. Break it down. Like have what privileges you, exactly? Like we talk about the wage gap, or if you look at Roe versus Wade, men can Dude, the same thing we ran into on the femininity one when they were going back and forth on feminism, Pearl was like, give me barriers. Give me an example of the barriers you face as a woman. And they came up with the wage gap, which is easily debunked when you take into account natural factors and Roe versus Wade, which is something that women disagree on back and forth all day long. So they're not exactly examples of misogyny or patriarchy, but we can continue. Controlling women's bodies. Even if there might be those privileges, there's also more men who commit suicide, more men incarcerated. I think when you talk about like incarceration rates and things like that, like like things that men are a victim of, I think that it's important to like recognize like I don't think that men are oppressed solely on the grounds that they're men. I think that men like experience oppression based on like the intersections of their identities, right. which is you know why we see like different like lower class jobs being worked by men or like higher suicide rates or like incarceration rates going up because like. Men like black men, brown men, indigenous men, queer men, trans men, etc. Those people <laughs> like face. face oppression. They experience oppression, but it's not solely due to their identity as a man. I get what. So Griffin is trying to say here that just because men have higher suicide rates, jail rates, dropout rates, it doesn't mean it's solely because they're men. It could also have to do with the fact that they're a black man or a disabled man or an indigenous man. But if that were the case, then you wouldn't see the same rates of that exact reality and that exact result when it comes to being a white heterosexual man. And you do like white heterosexual men have very high suicide and depression rates and problems with their mental health. Uh, obviously not jail time when you compare to things like uh, indigenous men or or black men. But that doesn't always speak to oppression being present or some sort of racist tendency when it comes to uh, the way that men are treated by and large. Men have these results and women don't. So what is it about men that is different when it comes to the way that they present in our world. And to not talk about that is just, it's to the harm and detriment of every single person, of every single one, because who ends up being the ones affected by this? Everybody ends up being affected by this. And we can call it patriarchy or whatever. I mean, I think it's very, for the most part, unimportant to ascribe a label to it. Uh, and more important to just like talk about the issue. <laughs> but regardless, I don't think it's because of 
intersectionality that men are experiencing these differences because white men have a hell of a time in our society too dealing with these things and by the leftist definition white men don't have the myriad of problems that black men have or indigenous men have or disabled men have or all these different ways that you want to judge somebody uh, as far as their intersectional identity. And I think I think dating and sex is probably a very interesting place to think about this because it's changing field as far as like mm -hmm. what people expect of each other. I date in New York City a lot and dating wise there's a lot that's like asked of a man. As there should like, be. First dates are like <laughs> nightmares. <laughs> I got like, a question. Like, yeah. Dude it's like I'm like what do you want? They got like a checkbox like are you gonna pick me up? Are you gonna are you gonna walk on the outside of the sidewalk? Are you gonna open the door? Are you gonna pull out the seat? Are you gonna pay for the meal? Are you gonna be interesting during the dinner? Are you gonna be- Yo, red flag, red flag, red flag. If I was a woman and I was about to go on a date on this, with this man and I saw this vice debate and I saw him talking about this, I would be like, I'm so sorry, I need to cancel the date. What he is talking about, walking on the right side of the sidewalk, opening the door for you, paying for the first date, that what we're talking about is bare minimum. You know, some women say the bar, as far as the standard of men, is in hell. The bar is in hell if men are worried about doing these things. And we should put this in a different perspective because I think a lot of people don't understand maybe why women would have these expectations of men. And by the way, not all women do. You meet most women nowadays and they're like, yeah, I don't care. He can do whatever he wants. I'll pay 50-50 on the date. He doesn't have to walk on a certain side of the sidewalk. I'll drive myself to the date. I don't need his money. I don't need no man. And then they'll still go on the date and have sex with him anyways. So that's not most women anyways. But think about how relationships blossom and flourish and move on and what happens if that if that is the case for you. You become pregnant, right? And guess what? Pregnancy is something that you have to go through and sustain for nine months, plus you have a newborn right after that that you are the sole provider for. So a lot of people say, well, women can be providers too, and that's what I mean in that sense. When you have a baby, who is the sole provider for that baby? The man may bring about money, but the man's not bringing breast milk, the care of a mother, the heartbeat that that baby is accustomed to. A woman is. So when a woman is going on a first date with a man, that is what she has in mind. She has in mind, is this a man that long-term, when I end up becoming pregnant and having a baby to take care of, is he gonna be there to protect me? And when a wolf is at the front door trying to get to our family and I'm too busy taking care of newborn, is the man gonna be there to be at the front door and answer it when this happens to us? So of course we're looking for a man to walk on the right side of the sidewalk, to open the door for us, to maybe pay for the first date, because that's what we're gonna be looking for long-term. And if you can't show up with the bare minimum when you're on a first date, <laughs> what am I to expect from you when we're really in the thick of it, when the wolf is at the door? So to really look at all those expectations from a man and go, that's too much for me, and the, the, the first date is a nightmare? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, he gets this. Like, I can sympathize with the idea that modern women are send mixed messages about what they expect. Yes. You know, because that's a real thing. And because, the, you know, especially like in a city like L.A. or New York where he is, it's like everyone, all these women have bought this feminist rhetoric of, you know, you're supposed to be a boss, babe, and you don't need no man and you guys should split the bill. It's toxic masculinity if he offers to pay. So I can sympathize with the idea that a man's confused about, like, do I pay? Do I not pay? But I can't yep. sympathize with the idea that a man's like, oh, she wants me to pay. I'm not going to do that because of, of all the reasons that you stated, like in and as, even as you're laying all that out, you know. 
I think most women, if you ask them, they're not thinking about their vulnerability that they might experience if they become pregnant and, mm-hmm. and have to care for a child on their own, you know, 10 months from now when they're on their first date, you know, but sure, sure. on a subconscious level, that's a real thing. And yes. that goes back to the gender differences that goes back to those, you know, that, that in, even on a subconscious level that informs how women feel that there's like this innate sort of like vulnerability or insecurity that you are looking for in your vetting process of finding a man that you're going to end up with. You're, you're, you're vetting a man based on whether, is he going to be able to provide for me? Is he going to abandon me? Is he going to yeah. be able to go out there and take care of me? Is he going to go out of his way to inconvenience himself? And that's, again, we talk, I, I, we bring it back to that toxic masculinity thing. The untoxic masculine man is the man who will go out of his way to set aside okay i as a man i can you know screw you and leave you behind and go do my own thing but i'm not going to do that i'm going to take on responsibility i'm going to be there for you i'm going to go out of my way to provide i'm going to be out of my way to be present i'm going to inconvenience myself and set aside my liberty um, as a man to not have to be responsible but i'm gonna take on that responsibility for you that's the opposite of toxic toxic masculinity and that's what women are who are seriously looking for someone are attracted to and are and are looking for deep down, even if on a, on a top of mind conscious level, what they've been preached to about this feminism stuff, they're not believing that. But that is deep down what what they're looking for. And here's what I'll say. Here's the grace that I will give him. If you're giving a woman walking on the right side of the sidewalk, opening the door, paying for the first date, making sure they're taken care of, and she's not giving you equal value in, on the opposite uh, wave of things that is not the woman for you. So you should expect the same from the woman. You should expect that if you are doing all those things on a first, second, third date for a woman, that you're the man that she is dating and that she's not going around doing the same thing to 10 other men. You should expect that she's going to be the nurturing and compassionate type when you're looking for her to be that in the future. So if it's a woman who's giving you feminism, girl boss, I don't need no man, and still asking all these things of you, no red first n- red flag, <laughs> red flag, no first date for that woman. But if she's giving you what is, you know, the the woman's natural tendency and asking for you to take on the natural masculine tendency and you say, no, I can't do that. And that's too much for me. Then you're not the man for her. Mm-hmm. So it's all about finding that nice balance with it. Funny during the dinner. And then when you walk home, are you going to drop me off? Are you going to watch me walk inside? And then are you going to text me after? And it's like, it's like trying to defuse a bomb like if you (laughs) think you like you're like red wire blue wire and you're like one little thing and you're just done and it's like i'm i'm to the point where i'm like i'm so tired of like paying 150 for a first date baby then don't pay 150 where are you going (laughs) go to coffee like what (laughs) do you like tea Earl Grey or chamomile? <laughs> because what? $150 for a first date? Oh my, I will say, the man that I'm dating now, uh, my beloved, he took me to the nicest dinner on our first date ever. Uh, so I will give him that. And that was just super impressive to me. And we've been in a relationship ever since. So That Nobu sushi? <laughs> not exactly Nobu, but equivalent. And I will say that... It just really depends on what you're looking for in a person. If you're not looking for that commitment or longevity when it comes to a relationship, then certainly don't be taking them to $150 dinners on your date. But if you've met this person, you're like, I really see something in this woman or in this man, and I want to see where this goes. Why not stake that claim or that belief on the strongest foundation possible? And if the strongest foundation possible is the $150 first date, which it really shouldn't matter if you're picking the right woman. But if that is it, then go ahead and do that. 
it's all about really having your receptors on and your radar on to decipher what woman is valuable and which one is not. And hopefully you're going on the date with a valuable woman. And if you end up at the end of a $150 first date and she ends up just being in it for the free meal, then maybe your radar's off and you need to get better yeah. at deciphering what's a red flag in a woman and who's going to actually be there for you. So many people want to take in this information and take in the experiences that happen to them and go, it's her fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's society's fault. Why not look at you and go like, here's the state of the world that I'm living in. I'm sitting in this. I'm dealing with it. This is the way society stands. It's on me to decipher what is right and wrong for me. And if I get tricked or if I lose at the end of the day, it's my fault. I'll take responsibility for that. Like, Show's please. called Unapologetic, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. You're, getting, you're, getting, you're getting the facts from Avila today. Take responsibility for yourself. If you get tricked by a woman, you got tricked by a woman. She didn't trick you. You got tricked. It's on you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyways. And then you just ghost me. I'm, and the next week, I'm like hurting for cash. I'm like, I could have really used that 150. Like, why did I have to? Babe, if you don't have the money to spend on a 150 day and the next week you're worried about paying for rent or paying for your car or something like that, that is your fault. It is not the fault of the woman who said, yeah, I'll go to you with this day at a $150 restaurant. That is your fault. And if you are, I don't have the means for that, you go, I'm so sorry. Right now, I don't have the means for that. I would love to take you for coffee. I would still like to get to know you. And one day when I do have the means to take you on a $150 date, you best believe that you're the first person that I'm calling up to go on that date. And the right woman for you is going to be like, yes, I love that you're ambitious. I love that you can't provide that for me right now, but you want to be able to provide that for me right now. It's your fault. You, you know what I'm saying? Like the trade-off of like going on a date and as the man being like, oh, this sucks, I have to pay, or as the woman being like, oh, this sucks, I might get murdered, is like a pretty big, you know, yeah. imbalance. Again, he said, men think they're gonna get tricked into a date, women think they're gonna get murdered. If you are going on a date with a man and you think you are gonna get murdered, if that's even a flutter of a thought in your brain, what are you doing going on the date with a man? I don't know what you're doing. And even so, like there's safeguards for yourself. Uber yourself to the date. Show up in a public place. Don't go to the man's apartment. Don't go somewhere where you can't be seen and, and visibly taken in by other people. Safeguard yourself from in the places that other people don't. And that's typically what happens when people fall into these unlikely situations and these harmful situations is there's at least one point in the ladder of standard operating procedure that they didn't take into account where a woman goes on a first date and they go yeah you know oh yeah we'll go wherever you want <laughs> and then uh-oh he's an axe murderer so it's just common sense it's it's really bad and it sucks and it's horrible and we hope these situations don't befall people but account for them first date should the man or whoever identifies as the man on the date pick up the check show of hands who thinks yes yeah should is a weird okay sorry sorry how would you put it i very much love gender roles i like masculine men and i want my masculine man to pick the check up my friends seem to be the same. My girlfriends seem to want that as well. But I have a male friend who was naturally doing that. And with the dates. Griffin is so done in the background. I will say that this it's amusing to me to like watch him go about this conversation. But there's also a very 
condescending energy about Griffin, the blonde, that I'm not getting from the other men. And if you watch his facial expression throughout this whole talk, it's very crossed. It's very, yeah, I'm listening, but I'm not really listening. I already believe what I believe. And there's a, an amount of disgust that comes about in his facial expressions, in his body language, when other people are talking that the other men do not exemplify at all. And it's a little off-putting. He was going on with women, they were offended that he like took the check. So I think like, hey, if this woman doesn't want him to pay and she wants to show she can pay, go off. I think it's a matter of preference. Like, you know, if someone picked it up for you, like you develop a kind of rapport, respect with that person. Like, so be it. If the other person, you know, the woman you're with doesn't want that, then maybe it's not the match for that person. So I right. think it's dependent mm -hmm. on the situation. Yes. I think that there's such a thing as financial abuse and men seem a lot of time because they spend that a woman has to be under them or owes them something. Um, I think that's me, when you get talks. Me yeah. personally, I love to take care of my partner. I love that feeling that I give them that they're taken care of when they're with me. And that's when it's with friends, anybody. If you're with me, I got you. Like, I guess what I'm hearing from you, Andre, is that there's like a lot of pressure to uh, inhabit the masculine side of the social expectation. And yet you might not get the benefit that you would have expected generations ago. And that puts you in a weird position. Fair enough. Yeah, well, enough. we live in a city where there's 8 million people and uh, you know, a lot of these girls, especially if you're really attractive, guys are hitting on them all day. So they feel like celebrities. You got so many options. I don't blame you, I'd be the same way. It becomes it's like a- always somebody better. I think technology has a big part to do with that now. Like yeah, modern so, times, like yeah, online dating, well, Instagram. Instagram. Especially Snapchat. as a girl, you're gonna have 30 DMs yeah. a day. Yeah, the DMs. You know what I'm Swipe it open your picture. I think that's a, that's, a, that's a big reason why it can be tougher for some men. Not successful. I, I, I think it's tougher for everybody because everybody has options in their hand all the time. Now, what did they say? 80% of women are looking for the top 20% of men. I don't know how valid that is. I think it's based off of some dating app studies that they did and surveys that they did. But if that's the case, then you have 20% of women really struggling and vying for attention. And then you have that other 80% of women, the top 80% of women, vying for the attention of one out of five men. So a very small subset of men getting all this attention from a big group of women, right? So that's a lot for, you know, the bottom 80% of men. They're all looking around and going, okay, where's my woman? Because all these other women are going for the guys up there, what, the Chads and the Stacys, whatever they, they call it on 4chan. So that's, it's got to be rough for everybody involved that there's a, a small set of people who have mountains of attention coming at them and they can't decide which one they want. And then there's small groups of people or large groups of people who have no attention coming their way whatsoever. So it, technology is giving way to problems for, for both genders across the board when it comes to this stuff. Uh, what he's saying not, is he's there's, a, there's a toxicity to femininity as well. There is, there is a toxic side to both genders. Well, I think, I think anybody can be narcissistic, but I think that it's like weird to randomly attribute that to like women in New York because they're being complimented all day. Okay. There's a term, it's called absolute power corrupts absolutely. absolutely. So, <laughs> it, but that is, when we're talking about masculinity, that's what we've had. We've typically had that. We can do whatever we want and we do it because we squeeze, we corrupt, we take. Historically, you take over things, places that you don't like and you rape the women and you take the gold and you, and you know, you do what you want because you have that power. 
power. Now when we see women have that power, we're like, whoa, she's literally just getting a taste of the power that men have had for centuries. But on the flip side, you know, he's not exactly wrong. He's not exactly wrong. I saw a TikTok the other day of, you know, this guy talking about, you know, now that women work and women are back in the workplace, like they don't want anything from us and they don't think they need us anymore. And I have to come to the table with emotional intelligence and all this different thing and chivalry. And, you know, I, I, I have to gain all of these other skills for women to want me. And it's like, you know what? You know, if that's the left leaning argument for things, in a lot of ways, that's true that men have relied on the fact that women don't work that women need a man in their lives in order to provide for them and protect them and all these things and then they've gone well i don't need to boost up all these other factors about myself because i have the two things that women need and now that women don't need those things and we're now living in a society where women can provide for themselves and go on to do really whatever it is they want to do women are sort of taking their lick back on men and saying i don't need those things from you you're gonna have to bring something more to the table for me and they're asking for that yeah and if 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 as a man, your mentality is, you know, women will just want me because I'm a man and women inherently want men and I don't have to get off my butt and make anything of myself. They'll just come like, sorry, bro. That's that's not how it works. That's like a 1950s mentality. And maybe you could have gotten away with that back then when society actually was a little more, you know, toxically masculine, if we keep using that term. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but that's not, not you know, fan. that's not how things have been for the last decade several decades mm -hmm. and you know women have an expectation and so you're going to actually have to tap into uh the innate nature of like we talked about before what what women are looking for in somebody that can be responsible that can demonstrate you know i'm thinking of uh uh dennis reynolds on always sunny in philadelphia he's his number one he has the dentist system is like a acronym for his name and number one is demonstrate your value as a man you have to, you have to be able to do that um from the get-go but that's not that's not a bad thing and it's not you know but anyways yeah there are people who are going to equal your value whatever it is right now at this moment there are people there are men out there for you there are women out there for you if you want them and they are going to be of equal or or lesser value whatever you want to say but you can boost up your value and do other things to move more up the scale and get women or men that meet you on on that scaling system and that's up to you that's really up to you i feel like everybody for the most part as they are now can go out and find somebody who is going to love them and appreciate them as they are now but it's all about who you want and what what type of woman or man that you're looking for and if you're looking for a woman or man of higher value you better exemplify that higher value before you go out looking for them uh, and that's always been the case regardless of the societal standards set in place now i know a lot of people were saying you know even though women relied on men and they were like the family men and providing and all these things, they were still chivalrous. They still walked on the right side of the sidewalk or whatever. And I agree with that. But also they were going around cheating and philandering and doing all, everything they wanted while the woman stayed at home with the kids. And this is something that we should be able to acknowledge was happening for a long time. Men did take advantage of being in that position of having a woman there that they could rely on, regardless of how you feel about it, whether it's negative or positive, and you think the 1950s is something that we should go back to, which in a lot of ways I am open to as a suggestion, <laughs> because right now we don't seem to be doing it right at all. 
men were taking advantage of that just as women were. Women were taking advantage of the fact that I don't have to go out and work and provide and take on the stress of working at a corporate job like my man does. So we all take advantage of our position and weave our way into a place of comfort within the societal standards of the time. But those standards have shifted. And now women are expecting more from men, whether we like it or not, because of the position that they're in. Of this perspective of dating, of like the poor guy who goes on these dates and gets ghosted and, and it's, it's a struggle to date. On the other side of that is uh, men have more sex, men cheat more, they have more affairs. So if I'm a woman and I'm looking for a guy, um, I would be really selective. I would have a list of what I was looking for and the guy would have to meet those standards and they would be high. I think over the last... I was looking into that because I was like, do men really cheat all that more than women? And it said, I think the, the basic stat that I looked at was like 20% of men admit to having sex with somebody outside of their relationship, which is like really high, but 13% of women. So it's not oh. too far off, uh, but 13% of women. I would think, my initial thought was women would have way more opportunities to cheat than a man, than the average man would have to cheat. The yeah. average man does not have women banging down their door saying, please, I want to be with you, even though you're married, even though you're in a relationship. I think there are about maybe 15 to 20 percent of men that have that advantage on any given day. But women, regardless of what you look like, your value, what you do for a living, will always have men who are like, I want to be with you, at least for the moment. I don't care if you're in a relationship. I don't care if you're married. So I would expect it to be higher for women. But women have a deeper attachment to their part right. to their partners than men do. And it's interesting that like the increased opportunity that women have is offset by that desire for stability or know like a relationship that the last like that that prevents them from saying yes even though they have more opportunities to say yes whereas the man and i i do think that that top 10 15 percent of men who have all that extra opportunity a greater percentage of them will take those at that opportunity than the mm -hmm. women who are presented with that opportunity so yeah. i think that must be the case it's really fascinating yeah it's really fascinating Several years, the Me Too movement has given a lot of insight into what women are feeling in the workplace, what they're experiencing, how they're being abused and otherwise silenced, how institutions of power have kept them silent. And we've heard some really awful stories and some terrible shit. I, I want to. I want to. Listen oh, to you too Hawk. bad. I thought we got premium. <gasps> we did what have happened? premiums. Maybe I'm on the wrong account. Yeah. I see a, a lot of people in the comments are really peeved by the commentary on this subject, which I anticipated. When you talk about masculinity or femininity, people are going to have very pointed opinions about these two different things, and it's going to exist in so many different realms because it's really difficult to bring down these conversations into very pointed arguments is always going to exist differently. Uh, but I, I just think there are things we should be able to acknowledge that exist. You think about where we, the, what the Me Too movement did. Has it gone too far? What does it mean for you? I think it's good for women to expose men who are doing evil things in the workplace. I think it's been a good thing in exposing sexual abuse. There's also the opposite side of that coin where, where women are allowed privilege to do certain things that men are not. So. In the workplace, I, I was working at a place mm. where a woman was grabbing me inappropriately, doing things that were inappropriate. And when you bring that up to your coworkers, you know what they say? They laugh and they say, you should be excited, right? So if a man is sexually abused, the, the stigma totally changes. Well, the same I don't think thing Me I Too necessarily like, is what 
prevented people from believing you and your story. And like your story is valid, like I'm not here to suppress that, but I do think that like it's worth noting, women are far more likely to be victims of sexual assault. You just experienced a little bit of weakness that women feel most of the time. When we're talking about constructs, you know, you guys are saying we need to deconstruct masculinity. I'm saying there's there are unequal biases with both genders. He's absolutely right. That is very true. Although, I think the leftist retort to that is going to be, it's not women walking up to you and saying, congratulations, a woman hit on you and sexually assaulted you. It's men. So what do you say to that? Mm. You know? Because women don't pat the man on the back and be like, you got sexually assaulted by a woman. That's so great for you. And you're so lucky as a young kid to have done that. It's other men who go, yeah, you're so lucky that that happened to you. I wish that happened to me. Right, and that goes back to the like opportunity conversation of like women are always going to be pursued, whereas men, you know, it's like uh, Jordan Peterson talks about how you have you have twice as many female ancestors as male ancestors or whatever because women yeah. are the are the ones who select out of all the men who are pursuing them. Yeah, I don't know. Well, here I don't. Maybe there's a comeback that I haven't heard to that. When it comes to it not necessarily being as va um, viewed as as valid, it. That it happens to be the case because of other men, though. You know what I'm saying? Like other men are the people that downplay that, there and that's is. where we come back to the talk of you know patriarchy and things like that. Was put in place by men and is enforced by men. Oh, and I, I went for I went for a walk to get dinner last night. Now I, I don't know. Women do it too, though. Like women don't really care all that much when a man is assaulted, at least in my opinion. And they're very quick to jump on men that are accused of assault. Johnny Depp, Rex, Orange County, these are all great examples of as soon as a man, a man is accused of any sort of assault or violence, a lot of women just tend to believe and go, yep, he did it, because somebody said it. Yeah, and this is where it's like, why don't we just right is right, wrong is wrong. If you're wrong, then you should be held accountable you know, right. and that that's the long and short of it. It's wrong for women women to be sexually assaulted. I mean, I get that, like, you know, I guess women have a unique uh, vulnerability or because of the physical, uh, you know, you're on average, women are physically weaker than men. So there's more like vulnerability. And that's like there's like historic implications of that. But generally speaking, um, I don't know how you make a rule in society that like it should just be, hey, it's wrong. No sexual sexual assault is wrong. Period. Yeah, please. And you should bear that out with evidence, no matter what. Yeah, you're innocent until proven guilty, yeah. and sexual assault is wrong. It doesn't matter what gender you are coming to with the accusation or with the perpetration. It is always wrong. And I think the Me Too movement took a strong shift towards women and only covering women and saying things like hashtag believe all women, which we know is false and we know is not true. And it should have just encapsulated everybody. Uh, and we saw a lot of men try to come forth during the Me Too movement and say hashtag Me Too. I was sexually assaulted in the industry, be it from another man or another woman. And they were completely ridiculed and just thrown out of the movement when it came to their own expression of things that they went through. And it needs to be even handed when it comes to these things, because men experience it, too. And they experience it a lot more than anybody is willing to admit. Because when we think about sexual assault, oh, we think about, oh, yeah, men get sexually assaulted and it's just a small portion of all the assaults. I would bet money right now that a lot of men, a lot more than we are willing to admit, are sexually assaulted in their childhood, early development, even as adults. And it just doesn't get talked about because of the, the stigma towards men getting assaulted. I, I would say that it's going to be a lot higher numbers than anybody is willing to imagine. And it's the same argument that men, that women use. They say, well, women don't report their sexual assault. If you think women don't report sexual assault, think about how many men do not report sexual assault. 
think mm. about what that number actually looks like compared to the numbers that we have right now based on data collection. It's got to be super super high because men are discouraged from reporting it they're invalidated by both men and women and you know men get called a p word or a b word right. for being assaulted by people by other men and we'll say well men are the ones perpetrating that men are the ones who are calling them those things women do the same but they do it with their actions women might not come out and call you feminine or call you a b word because you were assaulted but they will back away from you they will maybe not date you they will do so in action where they don't do that with words where men are more aggressive with their words so there's a lot of societal pressure stigma and issues when it comes to men being assaulted that we have not dealt with whatsoever i walked several blocks because i wanted to check out a, a a few things um and it was dark uh not a single time did the idea that i would be physically or sexually assaulted cross my mind not a single time now, i can imagine that that doesn't really work out for, for women. It comes down to biological differences. As a man, you're more likely to be able to have a, more of a chance to fend off someone attacking you. As a woman, not really. So that's why, you know, we have things like mace and tasers or having a gun. Is it something about um, it's hard to admit that you're a victim? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Of course. And to, and to complain about it. People look at you like, you remember Terry Crews? You can get his nuts right. squeezed and shit. Right. right. It's like, you know? why, why don't you do something? Why'd you let him? Look how the world ridiculed him. You know, oh, you got, you ain't do nothing. Like, oh, you a bitch, you know? So we, as men, especially super guy, guys that grew up in super masculine houses, we don't really like to admit weakness. Well, we and, and there's, and it's in our language, right? Like, don't be a bitch, like, don't be a pussy. Right. Like, it, it's, it's very we real. We internalize that. Yeah. So that's all examples of, like, toxic masculinity. Like, it's never to invalidate somebody's experience, but, like, like it must be obvious that, like, these are rules and roles enforced by men and created by men. Well, and, and toxic masculinity and power kind of go hand in hand. I mean, we're talking about peanut butter and jelly. Well. You know what it is? I think sometimes we've got to go to work and like, if we're caught complaining about it, we're like admitting weakness, it's like, you're not a man. How does that feel? It doesn't feel great, but that doesn't stop me from doing what I need to do. Um, if you talk about a little bit of pressure that goes with it, yeah, there's a little bit of pressure. If you can withstand it, you become a successful man. But what does that have to do with being a man? Like, surely like a woman can do all those things, so why even attribute it to your gender? That's a good point, but I think also, um, if you're talking in terms of biological differences, generally, men are more logical, right? More reasoning, more uh -oh. I disagree. Based. There is no scientific backing for that whatsoever. I just think it's a commonly used stereotype. I mean, I'm not so really they, they, I maybe talking about, okay, you guys can say that. I think more about me. Like, I'm more of like a logical. I think he's talking about when he talks about like logical and reasoning, he's talking about the way that men and women take in data and the way that they communicate with each other. Women have the tendency to communicate more through an emotional lens. They'll talk about how they're feeling during certain situations. Men are more likely to communicate in a more systems-based or analytical way when they're talking about things that they've been through. And men are more strategic when it comes to systems and analytics. Women are more strategic when it comes to people, feelings, uh, intuition, and being in, in tune with those things. And that is true <laughs> and it has always been true it's just when you come out and say well men are more logical or men men value reasoning more than women it sounds negative and then people go well that's absolutely not true and that is not the case whatsoever but men and women communicate very 
very differently. And if you are accustomed to women communicating more in the sense of people, nurturing, compassion, feelings, intuition, and men talking more from a bird's eye perspective, more separated from themselves, more analytical and systems-based, then when a man comes to you and is communicating more emotionally and talking about his feelings, you're going to go, well, that's more of a womanly thing to do. That's, that's emasculating. That's, very, that's showing weakness because you're doing something that is not naturally attributed to your gender. That's fine. Right. And just, just to underscore this, I mean, he said there's no evidence that, uh, that no biological evidence that men are different, like men prefer uh, logical thinking or things and women prefer people. And like one Google search, and it's like already a common sense dictates that, yes, that's true. Yeah. But B, do a Google search. And like one Google search, I meant PubMed, men and things, women and people, a meta-analysis of sex differences in interest. It's a you know clinically uh, peer-reviewed study. It's got multiple citations talking about results showed that men prefer working with things and women prefer working with people, producing a large effect sa- size on the sample and the things people dimension. Men showed stronger realistic and investigative interests where women showed stronger artistic and social and conventional interests. So it's like... It's there is evidence, yeah. you know, and it's also just like common. You shouldn't. It's kind of like when when uh, the the transgender uh, person sa- said, "Do you have evidence that men are stronger than women? Do you have statistics to show that?" And you were like, "Well, do you have statistics <laughs> that they're otherwise. not?" Yeah, right. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, I just believe in experience." But but the same thing. It's like this appeal to like, "Oh, there's no evidence." Well, there is, and B, you shouldn't. You also don't need evidence for certain things that are like common sense. Oh, I mean, you it's like when it. we talked about the relationship issues that a lot of women go through, where they come to men and they're complaining about their day or how hard it's been or how depressed they're feeling, and then men go, "Oh, I have a solution to that." Like, "Oh, I got into an argument with my friend, and she said this, and she called me that," and they go, "Okay, we'll go talk to her and tell her this, this, and that," and they go, "Well." I wanted you to just listen to me and listen to what I was feeling and communicate my feelings and have that intuition that men, that women have, that men don't. Uh, it's a commonly held relationship issue that men and women have. Mm-hmm. And it's because we communicate differently. Another issue, when women go to the doctor uh, and specifically male doctors and try to communicate this sort of pain or complications that they are going through, there is a difficulty and a barrier there because m- women communicate in feelings and people and emotional based arguments and claims, whereas men are more analytical and systems based. So there can be barriers in communication where women tend to seek out feminine doctors so that they can have that communication and another woman to look at them and go, I know exactly what you mean by that. And I know exactly what you're feeling. These are the ways that they play out in real life. And to not be able to acknowledge that difference, which is so helpful. It's so helpful to be able to acknowledge that because then you go, oh, I got it. Now I know what I need to seek out when I'm looking for a partner. Now I need to know what I need to seek out when I'm looking for a teacher, a doctor, a friend, all of these different things that are going to change the way that we communicate with other people. It's an abundantly helpful thing. We're going to go on for a few minutes, then we're going to do uh, Super Chats. You know, sure. factual-based guy, like, I have emotions, um, but, you know, I don't let that deter me from what I need to do, like, my, my reasoning. Do you um, talk with people about your emotions a lot? Isn't it bullshit that some come... I, I must be on the wrong YouTube account, because I know I just downloaded the, the premium. I have a feeling he's going to say no, he doesn't talk about his emotions all that much based on what he just said and i think a lot of men don't talk about their emotions a lot friends i have close guy friends i can talk to you do yeah there you go there's an interesting uh, thing came out where like guys these days have fewer than three friends like it's hard for men to make friends with each other i think that's a big problem now in, 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 because, in modern and, times because you, you hear about you know the suicide rates going up i think that's a big reason for it. men 
aren't allowed to talk about it with safe people. So if you talk about masculinity crisis, that's the crisis right there. I think that men find friends very easily in terms of like, oh, yo, you lift um, 240, I lift 242, let's like spot each other, like basketball or whatever. But I think that mm -hmm. we have superficial relationships in those friendships, you know, in which like it's very like surface level, like coming back to what you're talking about, we don't talk about feelings and, and things like that. That comes back to how, you know, you're brought up and how like boys are taught in certain ways, how we go about talking to each other and how we go about expressing ourselves. It's more than just about upbringing though. It's natural. If women naturally communicate that way, guess what? It's going to be so much easier to find another woman to talk to about that. I, as a woman, and luckily for me, and this is one of the privileges of being a woman, I could literally go to a bar and walk into a woman's bathroom and talk about all the problems that are happening in my life <laughs> to any woman that is in that bathroom doing her lipstick. And guess what? I would walk out with a phone number, a friend, and somebody to talk to if I wanted that. Men cannot do the same. Men do not communicate that way. They are not pack animals in that sense. And men bond differently. Uh, I was reading from somebody the other day who said that men, as far as, as their bonding, it's not it's less of on an emotional sense, but more through bonding, through experiences that you go through. Men in the military is a great example. They see this collective struggle that they all have and a collective goal that they're trying to get to, and they go towards that goal together, and they get there, and by the end of it, you're like, we're brothers, because we just went through that moment together. Women don't necessarily share that same exact bonding structure. When women, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. We like the same things. We have the same background. Here's something that I'm going through with my boyfriend that I can talk to you about and you can talk to me about yours and boom. Uh, that's the way that, that women are friends. Whereas men, it's like, what is the struggle that we're going through? Or as he even says, playing pickup basketball right. and, and showing up at the basketball court and we're on a team and this is the collective we're trying to get through. We're equally as competitive with each other. My team beats your team, boom, we're friends. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Sports is another big one. Military sports. And it's why, like, you know, men will watch movies like the like uh, the Patriot or Braveheart or Gladiator or uh, Lord of the Rings over and over again. And you get those goosebumps when it's like they're giving the speech before we're going to charge into battle and, or, <laughs> right, or, right. you know, uh, yeah. Band of Brothers and things like that, because it just resonates on a on a very like human level and masculine level of like, yeah, I want to like be, t and, and the way men sort of build that initial rapport, there's a lot of like testing and that's where, you know, it's like you men tease each other. My, me and my brothers, we wrestle, we like, you know, f come up with nicknames that are kind of poking fun at one another, but it's just part of, you know, just, it's, you, it's like you earning each other's respect. And, and those are just things that are associated with maleness with masculinity mm -hmm. and just like boys want to play with trucks and and all that stuff it's like these are just very real differences that we're we're better off acknowledging than not but that doesn't mean that just because you know men are a little less likely to be open with their emotions that doesn't you know like that's not a novel i i hate when in in social media or in, in settings like this they're acting like it's some big novel revelation that like oh men want to suppress their feelings it's like Really? Okay, cool. Yeah, you're the first person to ever discover that. It's like, mm -hmm. that, that's, of course, men want to, you know, I mean, that's like a thing associated with masculinity. That's a vulnerability associated with masculinity. So yeah. let's let's not be childish and, yeah, not be able to handle our emotions as men, but let's figure out, okay, well, we know that men have that vulnerability. So masculinity, healthy masculinity looks like being aware of that vulnerability and then being able to figure out, okay, how do I process healthy emotions? Am I burying things that I haven't processed yet? Yeah. 
underneath this veneer of bravado or of, of aggression or whatever? Am I just that, you know, insecure bully who's picking on someone to, to hide my own insecurities? And, and you know, when we talk about a, ma- a conversation about masculinity, to me, it just it's not very helpful to just be like, oh, yeah, men, men don't like to share their emotions and that's bad. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, we know that. Like, that's not very yeah. original. That's not a very, you know, like, okay, but what, what do we, but healthy masculinity means you can still be masculine and still have that brotherhood and that strength and that, you know, it's not bad for men to want to be strong mm-hmm. and not want to be totally beset by the smallest thing because that's the, that's the other side of it is the reason that you push down that, that vulnerability or push down that that quote unquote weakness is because people depend on you and you don't want to be in a place where the smallest thing can knock you off your rocker and make you undependable. And so that is a, that is a healthy part of masculinity where it's like, Hey, when things are going crazy, like my wife will tell you when things are going crazy and she's like worried about this or worried about that. And like, obviously she needs that like stability in her life to be like, Hey, I can rely on you. And if I'm just as like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? I don't know what's going to happen. Then that's, that's not helpful to her. And she needs some, that some, some stability there. But at the same time, if I'm, always pushing that down and never able to be like, Hey, you know, I'm hurting right now, or, Hey, I have this unprocessed emotion or wound or whatever. Like then I'm going to end up taking that on her in some backhanded way that I'm not even aware of. And that's going to produce greater dysfunction in my life. So healthy masculinity looks like, yes, I'm going to be strong, but yes, I'm also going to be aware of my blinders and aware of those vulnerabilities as a man. And, uh, you know, address them in, a, in an intelligent way and finding good men that you can actually have those conversations those emotional conversations with i think is really really important i think it's it's weird that we as human beings give so much of ourselves to career ambitions academic ambitions but we don't give that same amount of effort to friendships and relationships and i'll say you one thing the ceo here at prager U, she gave me this like brilliant piece of advice of that if you're putting in x amount of effort into your career and all these things you're doing external to yourself you should be putting X amount of effort into building relationships, both friendships and finding the person that you're going to live the rest of your life with. And if that's not a person that you can share your emotions with, share those struggles with, then maybe you are with the wrong person. Mm. And we should put equal, if not more amounts of effort into our friendships and our personal relationships when we compare that to our careers. And that's something that we don't do. And maybe that's something that we need to work on. And that would look like progress. And being a progressive individual means going against the grain of what your society has been doing for X amount of time. So maybe that means going against the grain, making your other male friends uncomfortable when you talk about emotional conversations and having to drag them through the mud of having to learn to be able to do that themselves. But eventually it'll be something that's really helpful for you. And I think it's it's important to acknowledge the the flip side of it, like mm-hmm. what Taylor acknowledged, like as as a woman, sometimes I get bogged down in emotions that should not be as important to me as they are <laughs> in the moment. And it sometimes takes a man to go, well, hold off, <laughs> hold off on that initial thing that you just felt. Breathe for a second. Think about how much this actually affects you. And then let's come back and think of a solution. And that is the most helpful thing that you can go through in a moment of just peak vulnerability and peak emotion. On the flip side, that I need to be in tune with and have a woman come to you and say, you're not in tune with your emotions right now. Share what you're feeling right now. 
these things are helpful <laughs> and we counterbalance each other. We always have, we always will. And it's about acknowledging those, those differences. So we didn't finish this video whatsoever. We got <laughs> 24 minutes into a 43 minute video. So maybe we'll have to do a part two. There's a lot of naysayers in the comments on this one, which I anticipated because the conversation about a, a masculinity from a woman's perspective is a very interesting one to say the least, but we're gonna get into it and we'll talk about this more because it's something that probably needs to be talked about. I think this was more difficult to delve into than the femininity conversation because there is a lot of importance placed on femininity and being a woman and the struggles and tribulations that women go through and not so much on our male counterparts. And a lot of men come to the table and say we're forgotten in a lot of these conversations and they feel victimization because of that. And we just go, whatever, you're a man. <laughs> Nobody should care about the way that you feel. And I admit to doing that myself sometimes of being like, okay, whatever, you're a man. And, uh, you know, you're, you're supposed to be strong anyway. So you have to deal with that. But we should be having equal conversations about it. And it's something to talk about. Nobody should feel offended by these comments because... You have your own personal opinion, as we all do, and uh, we can get into them more in the debate section, which is the comment section. You guys can drop your comments down below. We are going to get into Super Chats for the day. Let's pull them up because I'm sure you had lots to say today. Okay, Sup My Dude says, crazy that at one time men in America marched towards impending death in the Civil War. Now calling a man who thinks he's a woman a man is violence. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's a conversation that is really interesting because we don't wish these heavy amounts of struggle on anybody. Like, I don't wish a war to come about so that we can all realize what's important to us. But in a lot of ways, these horrible times that we went through historically are very formative in us deciding what's important to us. When you're in the middle of a war, there's no going back and forth about mansplaining and feminism and what people are dealing with. There's only your human self right now, what you need, what your family needs, and being able to support and provide that. And in a lot of ways, I think generations need a struggle like that to gain a sense of who we actually are and to step outside of ourselves for a second, to not worry about the things that are just right in front of us, to worry about something larger. But alas... We're not in those times, and I'm grateful that we're not in the times of a civil war. <laughs> but sometimes you need something to step outside of yourself with. I might bring it on. Oh, my gosh. At this gosh. point, some sort of uh, great challenge <laughs> for Western civilization would probably do us better than good because the, the flip side of it is, you know, it's, a, it's that cycle that they talk about. Like, uh, weak men create hard times, strong men create, you know, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men. It's that cycle that we're yeah. in. And I'm like, I, I think it's just bound to happen again. But I'm at this point, I'm almost welcoming it because I feel like we're definitely in the weak men create hard times moment. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what those hard times are going to look like. I am <laughs> scared. Okay. Abby Pie said, Amala, did you get the understand myself test and email I sent you? Yes, I did. Thank you so much for sending that my way. And I am going to take that very soon to try to understand myself a little bit more. It's always good to understand yourself a little bit more. What's really good about this masculinity talk is that you got nine men talking about themselves, how they feel and what their life is like, which is something that we could all benefit from is just sitting and thinking about ourselves a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, I think that's great. And I did no, get that. Just be strong. <laughs> just be strong and shut up actually. And don't cry. Push it down. <laughs> um, okay. Let me get all your super chats. This one is from Lord Geotron. Thank you for your super chat. It says, cowboy hat, got it right. Everyone else fails. Which is interesting because when I think about this talk, 
I think he articulated himself through the smallest lens and, and didn't necessarily broaden it out a little bit more. Not to say that his lens of Christianity is somehow invalid, but I wish he expanded on it more and mm-hmm. just really brought it to a broader context. Um, but that's cool. I'm glad that you identify with him. Dharma Initiative says toxicity is the belief that one sex is superior. I think that is a form of toxicity. There are many ways to be a toxic individual, (laughs) which is unfortunately what we learn as we go through life is there are many ways to be a horrible person. (laughs) And we hope that we are none of them. But of course we are. Uh, Christopher says living in a household where you're the only male due to a lack of any father figure feels very draining. How would you fully relate to the family? I can imagine. Imagine growing up in a family where there's no man and no father figure and you're the first. Not only do you have to navigate the world, understand what masculinity looks like, understand what healthy relationships look like, and understand how to be a a healthy, great man, but you also have to be the role model while you're doing it for the people around you. If you grow up as a young man in a family with no man in the household, you are every single woman in your family's perception of a man up until the point you grow up. And I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. And that's what's what's so tragic about the moment that we're living in culturally is that, you know, if you are born into a family where your, your father's figure is absent or just not a good father figure, you know, quote unquote toxic culture doesn't really have a, a better answer for you or a better model to provide you or can't really point you in the right direction. We're listening to this debate. We can't even define what masculinity is to Mm -hmm. talk about the subject. So the, the, you know, if you're born without that, like, you you know, it's, it's a very, the deck is stacked against you to end up in a place where you are going to be a fixture in a family that, that can, that can be like a healthy person yourself first of all and then a healthy like foundation for other people to build your lives on in a marriage and in a family it's, yeah. it's an uphill battle and that's it's a tough part of our culture today for men to exist men need to be there and they need to be present which is so difficult in times like today next one from dharma initiative thank you for your super chat my mother left my abusive father i learned to fear and distrust men i relied on media until i worked with a male psychologist who helped me learn not to see men as bad the way feminism paints them Interesting. I mean, I relate to this in so many ways, shapes and forms. Like, obviously, my father was not in my life, uh, was only in my life up until a certain point. And then you live with somebody who, by virtue of being a single mother, does not have uh, examples of healthy relationships to show you. So when you're out in the world at a point where you're ready to be in, not necessarily ready to be in a relationship, but where relationships are being offered to you in some way, shape or form, how do you know what to look for? And if you have a bad view painted of men of your father or the only man you know, then it's either you write off men or you just have no idea what to look for. So you'll see a lot of young women in particular accept really abusive relationships at the outset of getting into involvement with men. And it's because they have no idea what a man is supposed to treat them like. So the first man who gives them attention, they go, oh yeah, that sounds good. I'll take that man and I'll take that attention. And then you know, it, it, it follows through its natural path. And you hope at some point that somebody comes in and goes, no, that's not what you want. That's not what you're looking for. You need something else and you need something far better than this. But if you don't know what love you're supposed to accept, you accept what's given to you. Like in uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, we all accept the love we think we deserve. And mm-hmm. you'll, you'll accept whatever is, is 
painted in front of you as a child. And that can be very harmful. Uh, Manakaila says, do women nowadays expect men to pay in a restaurant? Is it only on a first date, but not further dates? If a relation begins, do they both pay together? I think it's going to be different for every woman that you meet. Although, by and large, I think women expect men to pay on the first date. They should. <laughs> Me and my boyfriend had this joke that whenever we go on a date, I would go like this and be like, oh my gosh, Ooh. I forgot my wallet. <laughs> uh, and every time he would pay for me. And that was an expectation for me. Although I never verbalized that expectation, the expectation was just met. But also you should expect to bring about equal value. Now, a lot of women say like, oh, a man should pay for me and expect nothing in return. And in some ways that's true. Like he shouldn't expect to take you home that night or expect you to get anything from you. But he should expect like a calm, compassionate, reasonable person to sit across from him at the dinner table and have a date with him. Yeah, it's funny. Like to this, like I'm married, my, my wife and I, all the money goes to the same place. Like we're basically, we don't have joint bank account, but we might as well. Yeah. And, but she still wants me to be the one to take out the card at dinner <laughs> yeah. and like swipe it just because there's that, like there's that <laughs> underlying, just like, I, uh, you're, you know, you're the man, you're taking care of me. Like that's yeah. the thing. And then she likes that feeling. And I, and I like doing it. So it, it works both ways. Yeah. And there's <laughs> like that, that Kanye, that Kanye audio where he's like, how much does the earth cost? I'm about earth. <laughs> that's how a lot of men feel. It's like when they meet a woman who they want to be, in a relationship they're like how much does the earth cost i'll buy the earth for this woman mm -hmm. and that i want to be able to give that for her because that's my role in this relationship that doesn't mean all of you have to feel that way but a lot of men do and i think a lot of men if you went on a first date with them and you're like no i'm gonna pay i'm putting my wallet down and i want to pay half of it a lot of men might be turned off by that yeah oh yeah I and there's also like a weird man side of it where you can be like weirdly like oh no i have to blah blah blah, blah. and you're like you know and that's it can go the other way too far as well but right every there's so many different options it's hard to have a conversation yeah. about hex fraud thank you for your super chat says this panel in short cringe and yikes you know what it's way better than the female panel yeah, that we watched and you guys true. can check out that episode that we did last week this one's way better way more civil way more respectful and you know what i got respect for all the men who are willing to show up and have a calm and civil conversation Miu96 says, my first dates are always at boba shops slash coffee shops. It's cheap and it works, especially if the shop have seats outside. And especially if you if you don't know the person that you're going on a date that well, coffee is only like 20 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So if in 20 to 30 minutes you have a bad vibe from this person, first of all, you haven't spent that much money. So it's not a heavy investment and you get to go, okay, it's been 20 to 30 minutes. It's not been two hours sitting at dinner. I'm going to go home. Uh, so it's just like a win-win yeah, if you're you not can, sure. And you can always structure it to where it's like, okay, if the coffee goes well, then I can have part two planned somewhere else. Exactly. So you can have the little contingencies lined up to where if it's not going well, you have your out. Yes. If it is going well, you can take it to the next level. Take notes, ladies. And always meet in a public space. Please. <laughs> I know he talked about getting murdered on the first date. Hopefully you guys are meeting in public spaces and that is not a worry for you. Always be trackable. Also, let a, know, uh, let a friend know that you're going on a date with a guy. And have a contingency plan if things go awry. Eric Carroll, thank you for your super chat, says, Amal, I'm a musician and I love to hear you play guitar and sing. You guys can check that out on my Instagram. I play songs for you guys on Instagram uh, every now and then so you guys can check that out there. Maybe I'll post them on YouTube one of these days <laughs> mm. when I'm less embarrassed. Uh, Jamie Jones says, I love men. I made two of them. Congratulations, mama. 
Women don't always appreciate the beauty and masculinity. Be strong and brave. Protect your own and provide the best you can. Love to hear it. Uh, and congrats on making two, hopefully, very strong men. It's hard, I think, in a lot of ways for women to appreciate masculinity because it's just so different from us. It's just something that you don't understand unless you see it in front of you and you have strong examples of it. Or if somebody sits you down and explains it to you, there's so... It's so hard for us as women to understand men, and it always will be. There will always be things about men that I am incapable of understanding because I do not stand in their shoes. And I admit that, and I will try the best I can to understand it, but that's not always going to happen. So, of course, if it's hard to understand something, it's certainly hard to appreciate it. Uh, And that's just something we have to work towards. Well, I fully understand women 100%, so I have no questions and nothing to learn. So. You're married to one, so yeah, that takes away yeah. all questions. That just shows, that just, you just learn how little you know at that point. Yeah. <laughs> that is very, very true. Okay, let's see. Next mm-hmm. one. Dharma Initiative says, do the same debate with Gen, Z, Gen X participants. Gen X would be how old? How old is Gen X? <laughs> That's always the hardest one to nail down. They're like younger than boomers, but older than millennials. Gen X age So like probably range. people in their 40s and 50s right now. Okay, 1965 to 1980. That's uh, a big, okay, a wide range of people. Okay, so yeah, they'd be in their 40s to like 60s. That would be interesting to listen to. I imagine they'd be like, I don't know what's going on with young people today. <laughs> that would be interesting. I would love to see that. They call them the forgotten generation because they're generally just like skipped over in all the uh, cultural conversations. Which happens, which I'm sure at the time when they were in their 20s, they weren't skipped over. But now that we're past that, uh, which it will all happen to us in time. Uh, Blackbeard Zorro says, what's the female equivalent of men's chivalry for women to men? Well, I mean, if we're going based on a traditionalist perspective, it's being that nurturing, caring, providing and protecting person. So I would say after a first few dates, when a man is just like proven here, I'm going to be here for you. Here's the chivalrous. I'll walk on the right side of the sidewalk. I'll pay for your date. Cook for him, you know, take care of him, you know, do do the things that uh, he is falling short on in his life. And I think that's what anybody would ask for any relationship. If you're a man coming into a relationship what are the things that you are lacking in in your life? What are your shortcomings? And maybe find a woman who is above average in, in those spaces for you. And the same for women. Where, what are your shortcomings? Where are you lacking? And find a man who can pick up the slack in those areas for you. And you can willingly enter this commitment and agreement to do that for each other. And how helpful would that be to have somebody who balances you out in the places that you're lacking? So I think that's what women should hopefully do for uh, men in their relationships. And that's what I think a lot of men are complaining about now are saying women want me to do this, this and that, but they're not doing anything for me. And I think the women would say the same about men. Mm-hmm. So we're in this perpetual struggle with each other. this tug of war <laughs> yeah. to do more things for each other. Jamie Jones. Thank you for your super chat says you're doing great. Keep up the great and necessary fight. You are supported and loved girly. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. AL, thank you for your super chat. Women say they want men to be vulnerable, but only on her terms. If a man is vulnerable outside of those parameters, she often loses respect for him. Not all women, but some of them. Some of them. I've legit heard women say, yeah, I told my boyfriend he could cry in front of me, and then he cried in front of me, and I was not attracted to him anymore. (laughs) And that's wrong. Uh, I'm reminded, there's that movie with Brendan Fraser and uh, Elizabeth Hurley called Bedazzled, and... In the movie, he's got like wishes or something, and he can like wish to be certain. Yeah, he wants to like make this girl fall in love with him. And one of the wishes, um, he's like, 
he thinks the girl wants him to be sensitive, so he wishes to be sensitive, and then he becomes this like emotional wreck and simp and like sharing about feelings, and he sees a rainbow or something, and uh. it's like, oh, it's just so beautiful, and blah blah blah, and she's like not attracted to it at all. And I mean, that's the that's the side of it. It's that's, gonna like, be too much. For me, a man crying is not unattractive. Like, I wouldn't want you to cry all the time or something like that. But for me, that's not unattractive. If I was dating a man for, you know, a year, two years or whatever, and I'd never seen him cry or be vulnerable, I'd be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> There's something wrong here because I have not You're seen sociopath. you sociopath. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, what is wrong? I feel like... Yeah. Yeah, no, if you're dating a man for a while and he hasn't, like, cried or, like, had any sort of sad, vulnerable emotion towards you, I'd be like, are you just not sharing things with me? Mm-hmm. You know? So Put on a front. There's, like, a fine fine balance. Well, I've seen me cry every, like, I don't know how long, but, you know, six months, a year. She's probably seen me cry a few times. Yeah. Definitely. You would hope. Like, have you just not cried? Or, For like, human, are you hiding your crying? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of different things. Brian Madison, thank you for your super chat. Keep the content coming. F the patriarchy. Kidding. F dudes that don't own the responsibility of fatherhood. Yeah. And the same for, for women who choose uh, not great fathers for their, their children. Let's see. Ooh, that's a hot take. <laughs> should, that, should, should that be a hot take? I mean, I'm just saying you never hear anyone say that. Yeah. I mean, choose You chose wisely. a guy who's going to leave you fatherless. Like, dang. No one says that. A lot of times, like, if you look back, if you've been in a bad relationship and you look back at, like, the foundations, like, when you guys met, how he treated you when you met, all the dates you went on, you will be able to find very clear red flags. Like, most people are not good at hiding the things that are wrong about them, but we fall in love or we're, like, you know... Uh, what what is what is the word for it when you're not in love with somebody but you're just infatuated you're infatuated with somebody uh, and you just ignore it you're like oh yeah uh, that'll that'll get fixed that'll that'll you know come out in the washer yeah, and how, it doesn't how much like destructive energy is in the world because women allow ignored it? red flags and it's for everybody we all allow yeah, things we sometimes That's true. we all allow things sometimes. Uh, Majandra fan says, as a conservative woman, what are your views on marriage and purity? I mean, purity in the sense of like, uh, no, no premarital sex, I imagine is what you're talking about. I don't adhere to the Christian belief when it comes to those things. So I, I might be out of the conservative camp on those things. I do think marriage is statistically important. If you look at outcomes when it comes to children, your best bet is being in a married, long-term, committed relationship before having children. Marriage itself, as far as like going to the courthouse and signing the paper, in a lot of ways is arbitrary outside of outcomes. And I think for, for tax purposes and insurance and all that fun stuff, I will be going to the courthouse and signing those papers. But I hope to pick a man who, based on value and principle alone, is going to be committed to me regardless of whether or not we have put ink on a piece of paper. But that's because I'm not a religious individual. As far as purity, again, statistics and outcomes is what I look at. Your best bet is being with as few people as possible before you find the person that you want to be with long-term and you want to produce children with. I think that is the best bet for both women and men. Although for men, it is a little less important just because of the way their brains work. McGupp, thank you for your super chat, says, college in the 90s, there were lower income ladies who will... drunk wait who will hunt drunk men in hopes of getting pregnant by them how would you assess this to the me too stuff 
like I said, Me Too is not like an all-encompassing movement. It's going to have so much nuance to it. It should apply to both men and women, and it should only apply to both men and women who have been victimized. And it should always take into account that there are women who are deceitful and there are men who are deceitful and who will lie to gain whatever advantage they want to gain in the in today's time. So men will lie, women will lie, they will take advantage of their situation, they will look at situations that they regret and they will call it assault and abuse and there will be actual instances of assault and abuse that they will call out and hopefully try to get accountability for. So when you look at Me Too movement, I don't think there's any point where you say, I believe everybody who comes with an accusation. It's always innocent until proven guilty. And we should just always approach any sort of serious accusation or any accusation at all, be it small or large, and go innocent until proven guilty. Give me the proof for what you're saying right now. And unfortunately, here's the hot take, I guess, that people don't want to talk about. Sometimes you will have an accusation that is totally valid and totally right, and you will have no proof, and it will slip through the cracks. And what a tough position that is to be in as a man or a woman. What an unfortunate place to be in as a man or a woman. But it happens to everybody, uh, regardless of what the crime is, regardless of how you've been victimized. Sometimes something will happen to you, and it will be something horrible perpetrated by another person, and you will have no evidence and no proof of it. And in those cases, it's just a sad tragedy that, that happens to us. I think that's it for Super Chats. What a sad note to end. <laughs> what a sad note to end the show on. Guys, let me know if you want me to do a second, a part two on this, because we only got halfway through the video, and I have a feeling there's so many more interesting things to talk about and so many more perspectives to get into on these different issues as they pertain to men and women. Let me know. We might do that for Wednesday's show. I hope you enjoyed Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live and every single time we post a video, which is every single day. We never leave you hanging on this channel. And drop a comment down below. What is your definition of masculinity? And how has that definition affected you in today's day and age or in your life historically? What, how has that shifted and shaped your, your person and your being? And how do you uniquely show up as a human being in today's day and age? Because we all do exactly that. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. We'll be back tomorrow with another video. Bye, guys.